Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Anyways, without further ado, let's uh, jump into the scripture text for today. Revelations 21 verse 5. Revelation, not uh, revelations, no S there, revelation. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Behold, I make all things new. Today, for a few moments, I just want to preach on this subject, this thought, beauty in the broken. Beauty in the broken. Uh, Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence. Thank you for what you've already done, the healing touch that you've already administered in this place, God. I pray that your spirit would continue to work, continue to lift people up. I pray that hope be found in this house this morning. I pray, God, that people leave this way encouraged, knowing that you are for them, that you are lifting them up, God, and that our dependence on you is not a weakness, but a strength in our Christian walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. A couple of uh, more, I guess, famous quotes in the English language. Uh, let, me, let me start it out. Maybe you can finish it. But one man's junk is another man's treasure. There it is. Wow, we're, we're awake, man. The 9 o'clock was slow, a little bit slow. You know, the coffee must not have been flowing as well. But how about this one? Beauty is in the eye of the behold. Boom, two for two. That's it. You guys are 100, and we'll quit there so no one fails. But antique, does anybody like to antique? Is anyone an antiquer other than Russell and Cassandra? We learned in the, they got way too excited, okay? You guys are like teacher's pets over here, okay? But is anyone, so anybody, how about garage sailing? Maybe you're not into antiquing, maybe, okay, another garage sailor. How about thrift store shopping? Hallelujah, yeah, you can find some good finds, right? A Goodwill or other, Salvation Army, man. Come on, what? Oh, purple cow, yes, hallelujah. How could I forget? I'm in Baton Rouge now. All right. But thrift store shopping, garage sailing, antiquing, there is a fine art to all three of those things, isn't there? I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I'm not a big uh, shopper on a good day, even if it means I have a lot of money and I can go shop for new things. So rarely do I find myself at a thrift store or a garage sale because if I don't like shopping for new things, I definitely don't like shopping for old things. But that being said, I know that there is a fine art and there is amazing things to be found at thrift stores and garage sales. I know that. I know estate sales especially, you can find some fine things. My, my mother, she called us a couple of months ago, Elizabeth and I, and I think she actually FaceTimed us, and she was letting us know that she had just come home from an estate sale. Now, my parents, oddly, like 12, 13 years ago, got into rugs. My dad ended up in the Middle East for, uh, for a missions trip, and he got shown uh, what fine Persian rugs looked like, and he got excited about it. Now, he couldn't afford it, but he got excited about it. And uh, they went to this estate sale, and my mom saw this perfect, this beautiful rug, beautiful rug. It was handcrafted. And uh, she asked the lady, she said, how much do I need to, per- to buy this rug? And the lady looked at her, I, 
I don't know. What, what do you want to spend? And she said, well, would you take 200 for it? And she's like, are you sure? Like, I was thinking like 150 maybe. And my mom's like, sure, here's 150. Little did the lady at the estate sale know that carpet was worth a couple thousand dollars, right? My mom found a rug. Now, she's decided to keep it. I don't know why. I'm like, mom, sell it. Like, you could get something cooler than a rug, but she likes it. Now, thrift shopping, thrift store shopping, the king of thrift store shopping is none other than my brother-in-law, Caleb Hill. He is a thrift store king, y'all. When he comes uh, for Christmas, ask him. Just say, what is the best thing you've ever found? And I'm telling you, when he lived in L.A., he would call us up on a regular basis and tell us about these 2 and $3 ties that he would turn around and sell on eBay for hundreds of dollars. And like... This was on the regular, like he was working practically for free at the church that he was working at, and so this was his income, was thrift store shopping. He'd go spend a couple of bucks and flip it, and he wasn't ripping anybody off, y'all. Like they were still getting a deal on the ties and the clothing. I mean, cufflinks, leather bags, suits, ties, like it didn't matter. He can pick it out. It's unbelievable. For me, like still to this day, we'll go on family vacation and Before we even get to the hotel or the Airbnb, wherever we're staying, Caleb will pull out Google and say, all right, y'all, I see three thrift stores within a radius here. We've got to stop. I'm like, man, kid, like this is vacation. Like, stop it. And I'll find the nearest couch, and I'll sit down with Lyra, and we'll hang out and watch the Wiggles together. (laughs) But he's made some remarkable sales. Then there's those other types of people, and I promise we're going to get to some Bible purpose here, Okay. But auctions, does anybody, have you been to an auction? Right, sounds like a motor. (laughs) But people, especially car auctions, it's remarkable. People can find incredible deals, and anybody that knows how to work on a car or knows their way around an engine, usually they can go to a car auction and pick out a nice car and get a beautiful car. It might need a starter, an alternator, maybe it needs a little something here or there, and they're able to get this car for thousands of dollars cheaper. Why? It all comes down to this. Some people, they see junk. Some people, they see a broken car. Some people see useless and worn out. Some people see tired and done with and useless, really. But then there's others who look at it and they see something beautiful. Because they see what can be rather than what is. And they say with a little bit of work, with a little bit of love, with a little bit of uh, TLC, we can take care of this broken car. We can take care of this broken uh, piece of clothing. We can take care of what other people have called trash. And we see beauty in it. For anyone thinks like this, you are truly able to see that beauty in the broken areas. Generally speaking, when it, when it comes to something that is broken, it is typically useless, right? Unless it can be repaired. Perhaps you know what it's like to have a broken arm or a broken leg. Terrible feeling. When a person is financially drained so that he has absolutely nothing left in his bank account, he is said to be what? Broke. Three for three. Wow, we're rolling. When a person's romantic hopes are destroyed, that person is typically called heartbroken. When a person is broken, They are almost always useless unless they get repaired. And when things are broken in our life, we can find ourselves in a world of trouble. In fact, in Proverbs 25 and 28, it says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. 
Proverbs 15 and 13, a merry man, uh, merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Proverbs 25 and 19, confidence is a, in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. But here's the good news this morning. This is what I absolutely love, and I can't wait to tell you. We serve a God who sees beauty in the broken. See, because of life, because of the fact that Adam decided to make the choice that he made, we all are born into sin. It's just the way that life is. It stinks. I hate it. I wish it wasn't that way. We serve a God. Thank God for that second Adam. But because of that first Adam, before you're born again, we are born into a sinful state. And because of a broken world, we see broken hearts, we see broken homes, we see broken dreams, broken hopes, broken health, broken happiness. But this morning, I'm here to proclaim that our God, he specializes in broken things. Psalms 147, the psalmist wrote, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. And Jeremiah, the prophet, started speaking about the potter working with the clay and I'm so thankful Jeremiah never got to a point where he said yeah the the potter got tired of the clay and he just kind of threw it into a heap on the side but instead he says the potter took that that clay and started to rework it put it onto that onto that wheel and continued to work with it never despising it never getting tired of it never saying I've had enough of it instead loving it and realizing there was more to it than others might see To be broken in heart or health or hope could, let me tell you this morning, this could be the big break that you have been looking for. If you're struggling this morning, if you've got a struggle in your life, you've got an area in your life where you're like, Brendan, I, I don't even know if I'll ever get over this thing. Let me tell you, you might be in the perfect place where God wants you. Because God gives his attention. God puts his attention when a spirit is broken. More so, when your spirit is proud, when it's broken, God's attention rushes to that place. Psalms 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. See, you and I, we look at our brokenness and we see shame. When we look at our, broken, our brokenness, our shortcomings, our, our hurts, our bitterness, we look at it and we try and hide it. We try to shield it. We try and let everyone else know there, it doesn't exist. It's not there. I'm perfect. I'm fine. I'm good. Whoo! I've got life together, y'all. Don't worry about me. And we try and hide that brokenness, acting as if we have life by the tail We've got life all together. We see an area of our life, and what do we do? We try and, you know what, I'm going to just try harder next time. I'm just going to do better next time. And, and our brokenness is something that we just decide, I'm going to work on that until I've got all the pieces put back together. But where we have brokenness, and we see shame, and we see hurt, and we see something to hide, our God sees an opportunity. Our God sees a reliance on him. Our, broken, our brokenness on our own can cause defeat. It can cause a trip up. It can cause us to fall. But our, broken, our brokenness in the hands of a gracious God is nothing but an opportunity for dependence on him. 
Our brokenness, y'all, in the hands of a gracious God is nothing but an opportunity for dependence on him. If you're in this room this morning, if you have an issue, if you have a struggle, guess what? You're human. Guess what? Even if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, water baptized, and you still struggle, that's normal. God has a plan and a purpose today for your struggle. I want you to know that you're in the right place. You found yourself in the right place. There are no perfect people in this room. Earlier, I told the rest of the church that Nicole and Ben were pretty close, but uh, even Ben and Nicole do fall short. They told me in between services they fall a little bit short. Not, not, Not far short, but a little bit. But if you feel like you don't have it all together, that is okay. You don't have to have it all together because we serve a God that sees beauty in your brokenness. Let's throw up that scripture from 2 Corinthians, Jason. But this is the Apostle Paul I'm about to quote. Concerning this thing I I pleaded, I mean, this is the, the Apostle Paul, right? The guy that wrote most of all of our New Testament, like this is the Apostle Paul. And here he is concerning the things, uh, the thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in in infirmities, in reproach, in needs, in persecutions, in distress. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Y'all, if you struggle, it's time to understand my struggle is an area where I can turn to God. If we have it all together, we can so easily check God out of our life. But when there is a struggle, all of a sudden you go, I depend on a greater power. It's not about what Brendan Hannington can do. It's about what Jesus Christ can do. And so many times we see our struggle and we go, oh, I've got to overcome that. I've got to, I've got to get past that. I've got to move by that. And, and God's saying, whoa, 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 why don't you just lean into me a little bit? This is an area, instead of just looking at it as something to overcome and get by and move past, this is an area where you can depend on me a little bit. And Paul, I love it. That's what he said. I boast in it. I get proud about it. I've got struggles. Ha! But do you know what that means? Because of my struggles, I can turn to my good, good God. Our God, he specializes in taking the hurting, taking the heartbroken, taking the sick, taking those who feel like they've lost all hope, lost all their dreams. Takes all of that. He specializes in lifting spirits and giving direction and bringing meaning into broken lives. In fact, Luke chapter 19 tells a story about a man by the name of Zacchaeus. We sang it a little bit earlier, but Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Oh, hallelujah. Wow, I'm about to get a praise break going on in here, y'all. But Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And let's read a little bit of this. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, bad guy, boo. And he was rich. That's not bad. That's a way to go, man. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. 
So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained, crazy, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner? Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I take anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I believe you could put the word broken in there, and it would just read the exact, Seek and to save that which was broken. Zacchaeus, this tax collector, in those days, really, it did not get much worse than a tax collector. He was a cheat. He was a thief. He had no empathy, no compassion, no sympathy. This man would go out. He, he didn't care if he had to take families away from children, away from parents. He didn't care if he had to lock people up. He didn't care. He had zero compassion And not only was he a tax collector, the Bible goes on to let us know that he was the chief tax collector. So he was like the boss. So if other people weren't bringing in their quotas, he was even harder than those bad tax collectors. So he was the worst of the worst of the worst. And yet he understood, here comes Jesus. Here comes this man that I've heard is putting broken people back together. He is healing the sick. He is healing the lame. He is bringing purpose into fishermen's lives. He is bringing purpose into other tax collectors' lives. Who is this man? I've got to get a glimpse. And he gets himself into a situation. He decides, I'm not going to let any of these tall, six-foot, six-foot-two guys get in my way. I'm going to climb in a sycamore tree. And as Jesus starts to make his way towards him, I'm sure his heart's kind of palpitating a little harder, and he's getting more and more excited. Oh, my goodness, maybe if I just get, maybe there'll be an an inspirational moment. Maybe I'll just hear a word from Jesus, and it'll inspire me to make a change. Because you know what? You don't have to tell broken people they're broken, right? They know that already. Most people, if you've walked into this room and you've got a struggle, you don't need me waving my finger in your face saying, you've got a struggle. You probably already know. And Zacchaeus, he was one of those, he knew, he knows, I've got an issue. I've got something that needs changed. And you know, he's sitting there going, well, maybe if I can just get a glimpse. Maybe if I can hear a word. And you know, so many times we kind of do that same thing. We'll come to church and think, well, you know, maybe I I can get inspired today. Maybe it'll last past Monday morning. Maybe something in my life will be stirred up. And maybe today's the day where I can overcome this struggle that I've dealt with. Maybe today's the day that those thoughts will stop. Maybe today's the day where I'll get a control of my tongue. Maybe today's the day where I'll get control of my temper and my anger. Maybe today's the day where I'll change forever. And there he was, looking at Jesus, hoping this is what it was all about. And yet Jesus, instead of just walking up to him and saying, inspiring him and saying, all right, Zacchaeus, it's all over. It's all different now. Jesus invites him into relationship. And it is in that moment that Jesus invites him into relationship that all of a sudden Zacchaeus does make a change because Jesus said, I'm going to have a relationship with you only once you do this. No, 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 no. Jesus says, I want relationship with you. And when all of a sudden Zacchaeus comes into relationship with Jesus, he's able to make that change without even 
really batting an eye. I'm giving back to the poor. I'm, I'm restoring fourfold. And, and Zacchaeus is able to say, this relationship that I've got, this walk with God, does this mean Zacchaeus? I mean, we don't really get a follow-up. Does this mean Zacchaeus was completely honest the rest of, you know, the next day, the next two days, next four days? I don't know. I'm sure there were days where Zacchaeus walked right back into his old tax collector ways and thought, oh, man, what am I doing here? Oh, yeah, relation. this is a walk. This is a walk. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. My struggle is here, but I depend on Jesus. My relation, my struggle is here, but I, I, I lean on him. Where everyone else saw no hope, where that rest of the crowd looked and said, why are you going after Zacchaeus? Where everyone else saw a cheat and a scam artist, where everyone else was saying, why him, Jesus? What do you, what's so special about him? What are you thinking? Don't you know who he is? And Jesus stood there saying, yes, but I see I see beauty that can come from a broken life. You all see the brokenness, but I see the man beyond the pain, the one that will lay his life down, the one that will lay his finances down, the one that will make a change because of relationship, because of a dependence on me. Not, he'll no longer rely on himself. It doesn't matter what others are saying about you. It doesn't matter what other friends may have turned their back on you. Let me tell you, every person in this room today, God is inviting you into relationship with him. And it doesn't matter maybe what your friends are saying. You know what? God's inviting them as well. But it's up to you. You've got to make the decision. It's not up to whether your friend accepts that decision. It's up to you. You're an individual. You've got to accept that invitation that God wants relationship with you. Here's the truth. You may feel broken this morning. You may feel like you're stuck in a struggle. You might feel like you're in quicksand and there's no way out. But we've got a God who sees beauty in your brokenness. He sees beauty that's going to come from your pain. He sees what's going to come through this struggle. He sees the testimony and he sees the story that will come through your life. I know myself. I know myself. I I, I was able to share this story before. But as, as a 12-year-old young man, I remember going to high school, 13-year-old, and I was absolutely picked on. I was, I was bullied. I, I, I promised the 9 o'clock uh, service that one day I will get a picture for y'all, and you guys can see the idiotic idea I had of a haircut. I'm telling you what I would do is I would shave my whole head, and I would keep my bangs, okay? And I would stick the bangs up, and like, what was I thinking I obviously had no friends because no one was like, hey, man, that's a bad idea. Like, I was, I was clearly alone, <laughs> and my hair kept people away. But the truth is, when I was in high school, I went from a private school into a public school, and so I left all my friends that I had had for, for, for eight years and moved into a public school, and I was left out. All these other feeder schools fed into this one high school, and I was, I was alone. And I was not confident. I wasn't secure in who I was. And I'm telling you, I got picked on. I got picked on bad. And I remember getting bullied. I finally, throughout the years, I ended up building friendships and ended up realizing how to do high school. But grade 9 and grade 10 were absolutely awful. And I I remember in those moments being broken and saying, God, why can't I make friends? I remember praying. I remember spending time in the Word. I mean, this is dramatic, but I like one of the first scriptures that I memorized, like stuck in my heart. It was Paul, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I was like, yeah, I'm suffering. 
this is it. That's, that's, hey, that's a ninth grade suffering right there, man. And I, I put that to heart, and I remember thinking, God, you've got a purpose for this. And I, I didn't know. You know, I'm, a not, I'm 13 years old. What do 13-year-old, sorry. Anyways. But here's the truth. I remember suffering through that, that brokenness, that hurt, that pain. And you know what? It would only be five or six short years later that uh, I had been called. I felt called to ministry, but I would get an opportunity to be a student pastor, a youth pastor, when I was 18. And all of a sudden, you know who got attracted to that youth group? You know who people started showing up at our church? It was the weird kids. It was the kids that had no friends. It was the people that had a hard time getting outside of their shell. And God spoke to me. I remember him speaking to me and saying, Brendan, I allowed you to go through a few things. I allowed you to feel broken. I allowed you to fight a struggle all because I had a purpose for you. And you might be going through some things. You might have some struggles, some pains. It's not because you're not saved. It's not because you, God has just turned his back on you. But he knows where you're going to be in your future. He knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, plans to use you. And I promise you, your dreams, your purpose, it's all going to make sense why you're struggling through what you're struggling through. Because God has a plan for his kingdom to use you in his kingdom for his purpose. See, one day Zacchaeus was able to tell somebody else, yeah, I climbed up in a tree. I was that guy. You remember hearing about a guy that called Jesus, walked up to a tree, looked up, and there was a guy up there, and he invited him for tea? Yeah, that was me. And he's able to share that story and encourage somebody else. Your story is so uniquely your story, and that's the beauty of it. Your struggle is your struggle, and that's the beauty of it. God's going to use your struggle to help somebody else. And then when it came to the most beautiful moment of someone being broken, it comes to our Jesus, our Savior. He was broken when he was bruised for our iniquities. Although not one bone of our Lord was broken when the Lord was crucified and bore our sins in his body, the Bible describes his body as being broken. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take heed, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. See, his brokenness, his brokenness is what causes beauty in our brokenness. Because he was broken, because he allowed himself to lay down his life, he told the disciples, no man can take my life lest I lay it down. And like a sheep to the slaughter, right? He laid down his life. But it was all with a purpose. He knew that you and I, we would find ourselves in a broken state, and he would say, no, 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 I'm not allowing you to stay there. I'm not allowing you to live in that struggle. I'm not allowing you to to revel in that because, you know what, I'm taking your brokenness on my shoulders, and I'm taking it to an old rugged cross, and I'm allowing that brokenness to be nailed to a cross so that there can be beauty in your brokenness. It was because of his blood that there's healing. It was because of his blood that there was forgiveness of sins. It was because of him laying down his life that we can stand here this morning and rejoice in the hope that we have found in our God. And it was because his body was broken that you and I have that hope 
of resurrection one day with him to go to our eternal home in heaven. Y'all, I'm not living for this earth. I'm not living for this earth. I love hanging out with every single one of you. I love getting together on Wednesdays and Sundays. I love getting together in small groups. I love it. I, I, I really enjoy it. But this isn't what I'm living for. I'm living for heaven, y'all. I'm living to one day be with my Savior. I'm living so that one day I can see him face to face, and he can look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Paul said, if, if, if we're living this life just for this life, then guess what? Us churchgoers, us holy rollers, we're of all men most miserable, right? I mean, if this is all we're living for, he said, let's go and join in with the rest of New Orleans. Let's all go down to Bourbon Street, have a good time. He said, let's drink, eat, and be merry. But he said, this is what we're living for. We're living for eternity, and we're on this earth for just a short time. I'm just passing through, just a pilgrim going through, right? But our Lord, he was broken so that we could have eternity with him, that hope of glory with him. Here's the truth. The greatest men in the Bible, they were broken, but God used them through their brokenness. You can walk. Start, man, you can go through Noah. You can go to Abraham. You can walk through Moses. You can see Joshua. You can see all those judges and all their errors and all their mistakes and all their struggles. You can look at the kings, but look at them. Look at the difference between the ones that would struggle and turn from God and the ones that would struggle and turn to God. Because your struggle, probably until the day you take your last breath, you're going to have some sort of struggle in your life. It might not be what you're struggling with today, but there'll be another one. You're human. You've got air in your lungs. You've got a heartbeat. You're going to probably struggle. But that's why God is saying, turn to me, lean into me, depend on me. That's what it's all about. If we're going to mature as Christians, it's going to be all about understanding. It's not about my struggle. It's about my dependence on God. I got, I, I got his permission to share this story. But my friend Aaron over here, he found himself in a broken situation. If you don't know, him and I, we get to work together every day. I'm so, so thankful that he's not sick of me. But we get to work together every single day, and we, we have an off-season for a couple of months. And last year, just the way everything worked out, Aaron runs his own business as well, but the way things worked out, his finances, I mean, it was like what Pastor Donovan spoke about a few weeks ago, where his, his brook kind of dried up, right? And his brook dried up, and he was going, God, what am I going to do here? And there was a brokenness about Aaron. Now, you got to understand, Aaron didn't just sit around and twiddle his thumbs and say, well, that's it. No, Aaron, he, he, he applied himself. He did all he knew to do. He worked all he knew to work. He, he, he really did. But see, God was trying to get Aaron's attention through his brokenness. And Aaron finally, in the month of March last year, Brother Marcelli was here from Lee Road, and, and, and he, he ministered to this church. And Aaron, after church, came up, and he had his wallet with him. And it was a wallet that he had had since he was about 13 years old. And it was, I mean, it was ragtag, y'all. Like, it was, it was beat up. It, it, he had, like, little slices of tape holding it together here and there. And, and he brought it up to Brother Marcelli and said, I feel like this is kind of a depiction of how my finances, my life are right now. It's just kind of... I'm just making it by. I'm, I'm holding it together. 
And he said, tomorrow, Brother Marcelli, I'm telling you right now, I feel it. And I'm going, I'm buying a brand new wallet. I believe something's happening inside of me. I feel like God's working through my brokenness. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, something started to change in Aaron. Aaron, and I'm going to brag on him, Aaron's read more books this year than he's read probably in the past decade. Aaron has almost completed the entire Bible this year. And not just getting through it, I mean he's digging into the Word of God. All of a sudden, God's giving Aaron an opportunity to preach and to minister. Aaron had no idea. He, in fact, he had preached before five years ago and said, that's not for me. And all of a sudden, God kind of put it something inside of him through that brokenness and said, no, I've got more for your ministry. And all of a sudden, Aaron started to preach, and God started to inspire him. Aaron started to minister to others through his brokenness. See, God wants to use your brokenness for a greater purpose. And not only all of that, but then God started to bless Aaron's finances as well. Aaron's, God really, he started to open up the windows of heaven. And because Aaron took his brokenness, laid it out, and said, God, it's not about me. I depend on you. God was able to use that brokenness and take Aaron, use that struggle for his purpose. And I don't know what you're walking through. But like I've said, if you've got a heartbeat, you've probably got a struggle. You've probably got something in your life that you're working and wrestling through. And I'm just, I'm, I'm admonishing, pushing this morning. Like Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, I, I'm going to boast in my infirmities. I'm going to get excited when something starts to come at me. Why? Because I'm realizing it's another opportunity for me to lean into my Savior's arms. It's another opportunity for me to depend on my Jesus. It's another opportunity where I can go. It's not about Brendan. Man, if it was up to Brendan, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be drowning by now. But because I can rely on my God, I'm going to make it through. Let's all stand this morning. Are you broken? Are you struggling? Do you have something in your life that kind of just kind of just picking, it's just there. I know for everyone, it can be a little bit different, right? Some people, there can be an insecurity. There can be loneliness. I know loneliness is a real thing. It can be loneliness. It can be, it can be what you look at. It can be where you go. It can be your circle of friends. It can be anger. It can be depression, anxiety. It can be so many different things. I'm here to tell you, there's nothing, it's okay. It's okay that you have a struggle. But stop looking at yourself for the answers. Stop looking at yourself thinking, if I just do better, then maybe I'll get it all together. Because that's not what Paul said. That's not what the Bible said. Paul didn't say, man, I boast because every time I have an infirmity, it gives me more work to do. Gives me something to think about while I fall asleep. He said, I boast on it because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. He realized it's not about Paul. It's about our Savior. It's about Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. What's the point of getting together on Sunday mornings if we're just going to try and pump each other up and say, you can do it. Because it's not about us. It's about relying on our Jesus. So this morning, they're going to sing gracefully broken. And I want us, if we could just move out of our rows and come to this altar and just lift him up and say, God, I'm depending on you. 
God, maybe I've turned my eyes away from you. Maybe my reliance has turned inwards and said, what can Brendan do for Brendan? What can I do for myself? But no, God, no longer am I going to do that. I'm going to lean into what you are doing, that I can rely on you, depend on you, trust in you. Here I am, God, gracefully broken before you, God. Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.